0: Hello, and welcome to Stonebridge Community Church's online service. I am Pastor John, one of the pastors here at Stonebridge. And this week, we continue our sermon series looking at Jesus and Moses and the way the Gospel of Matthew compares these two figures. And we're looking really at Jesus's temptation in the desert from Matthew chapter 4. So know that we are grateful that you are tuning in with us. I hope that this is a time where the Holy Spirit can meet you where you are and you can feel connected to this community of faith. The way that this service works is... We'll have some announcements right after this welcome, and then you'll hear the Word of God read, the Word of God preached, and then we'll have two songs to guide you in worship. So may God bless you where you are, and let us worship.
1: saves you are the one that rescues me you rescue me oh you are the God the God that saves you are the one I hear the song of victory, ring over me. I hear the song, I hear the song of victory, ring over me. I hear the song, I hear the song of victory, ring over me. I hear the song, I hear the song of victory, ring over me. I hear the song. God that saves You are the one that rescues me
0: Welcome to Stonebridge. I'm Pastor John, one of the pastors here at Stonebridge. And we are continuing our sermon series looking at Jesus and Moses in the Gospel of Matthew. Looking really at how Matthew, the writer of this Gospel, compares and contrasts Jesus and Moses so that we can see God's work in these two figures. And so that we can see God's work in our own lives as well, which is really the goal. Of coming to church, one of the goals of coming to church in general is to see God at work. So this evening we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. This is a story of Jesus' temptation. This is right after Jesus is baptized. So I invite you to hear the word of God. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for this word. And please join me in prayer. Lord, we come before you this evening seeking to understand temptation seeking to understand your response to temptation and seeking to understand how you are working in our lives, Lord, in the midst of temptations that we face and we experience. So we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak to each and every one of us now. We ask that you would help us to understand you. Even more than we understand ourselves, Lord, help us to understand you first and foremost. Speak to us now. We ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Temptation is a struggle for all of us as human beings. Even when we know it's going to come, even when we can prepare for it, we still succumb to temptation. Temptation. And over and over again in our lives, I think we're all left with the question, how do we overcome temptation? How does that happen? Now, as I said, the story in Matthew 4 here, it's one about temptation. It's about Jesus' temptations. He's baptized and then he's taken into the desert. And Satan is there and Satan tempts him. But while this is a story about Jesus' temptations, we have to remember In the Gospel of Matthew, more often than not, Moses is lurking in the background of a story. And though you may not think about Moses when you first hear this story or read this story, Moses is very present here in this story. The first clue here is that Jesus goes out into the desert. If you remember your Bible, Moses led the Israelites out into the desert. Jesus is out in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Israel was out in the desert for 40 years. But then when you look at each of the three temptations that Jesus experiences, there's a story of a similar temptation that Israel experiences back in the book of Exodus. Over and over again, Moses pops up in the Gospel of Matthew and in this story of temptation. Now, that phrase, 40 days and 40 nights, that's actually the clearest indicator that Matthew wants us to think about Moses. Remember that the different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they sometimes tell the same stories and sometimes they tell different stories. And when they have the same stories, there will be little changes that may seem like they don't matter. But in these Gospels, every single word matters. We know that because writing was very costly costly and expensive when these manuscripts were first written down. You paid by the letter to have a manuscript copied. So every single word, every single letter, it matters to the gospel writers. And when you look at Mark and Luke's version of this story, they actually just say that Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. They leave off that phrase, and 40 nights, which is curious Until you recognize Matthew does focus on Moses more than the other Gospels. And in Exodus 24, Moses is described as going up to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. And when Moses was up there on Mount Sinai, he was fasting. He wasn't eating. He wasn't drinking. There's no indication of that. He was with God fasting. So Matthew is putting Moses and Jesus side by side here. And I think when we understand that, we can begin to understand a little bit about what Matthew's teaching us about temptation and how temptation is overcome. But we have to look at each of these temptations a little more closely and see as it all builds to the very end to understand it. So the first temptation, the first temptation that Jesus experiences, he is tempted by hunger. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights at the end of that. Obviously, he's hungry. I am hungry after 40 minutes. I can't imagine how hungry Jesus would have been in that moment. But Israel was also tempted by hunger. Back in the desert, they were tempted, wondering, as they're getting hungry as they're out in the desert, what are they going to do? Why is God not providing for them? They succumb to that temptation. They begin grumbling, wondering why God and Moses had brought them out into the desert. Really at its core, this temptation is not just about hunger. It's about losing faith that God is going to provide. That's what's at the core of this temptation. Jesus is hungry and Satan is telling him, take it into your own hands. Turn these rocks into stones and you can eat. You don't have to be hungry anymore. Israel in the desert lost faith in God. That's what this temptation is about. And that is a very present temptation for each and every one of us, too. In our own world today, we can all think of moments where we begin questioning, is God actually going to provide? In fact, many of us, I think, begin living our lives assuming God isn't going to provide what we actually need. We start trying to take things into our own hands. That's the first temptation. The second temptation that Jesus experiences... Satan tempts him to put God to the test. Satan takes him up to the highest point of the temple and says, jump, because God's angels will protect you. And Satan quotes scripture there. You may have noticed that. Satan wants Jesus to put God to the test. Israel, in Exodus 17, also puts God to the test. Moses complains because Israel wants God to do more. And at its core, I think what this temptation is about is in those moments when God does provide, we start thinking it's not enough. We need it to be more dramatic, more spectacular. We want God to do a dramatic miracle. What God does provide for us, it stops being enough. Sadly, this I think is one of the biggest temptations for us Christians today. I've seen it in a number of ways, but one way in which I saw Christians succumbing to this temptation was heartbreaking for me and for everybody involved. There was a couple I knew, and they were in their mid to late fifties, and the wife was diagnosed with cancer. This was a treatable cancer, though. Through the recommendations of doctors, through chemotherapy, it was treatable. However... She had listened to a preacher, a Christian teacher, who had taught her that if you engage in medicine, it meant you didn't have faith in Jesus or faith in God. She believed that. So she refused any treatments. And she said, God is going to heal me. That preacher was teaching people to put God to the test. Because the truth is, for many things that are tragic in our lives, God has provided for us. Through the ingenuity and creativity of doctors, researchers, nurses, God has actually provided. But sometimes we have this tendency to want it to be more spectacular, to not trust it. She ended up passing away from that cancer. And her husband lived with years of anger towards God. And I understand his anger, but I do think it was misplaced. The anger should have been directed towards that preacher who taught them to put God to the test. This is a temptation that is there for us, for each and every one of us. It was very dramatic and tragic for them. But I think we're all tempted to look past the normal mundane ways that God does provide for us. The simple things we can do to avert tragedies. That God has provided for us. We look past that and we ignore it. This is a temptation that is still here for us. With the third temptation. It's tempted by idolatry. Satan takes Jesus up to a very high mountain. And by the way, it is very important that we understand this is a very high mountain. That will come up later here tonight. But Satan takes Jesus up to a very high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and says, these these can all be yours if you just worship me. This is a temptation for idolatry. And Israel faced the same temptation under Moses' leadership also. Moses had been up at Mount Sinai. They started believing that Moses and God had abandoned them. And they create the golden calf, the statue that they begin worshiping and saying, this is God and God is with us and God is going to protect us now. This is our God, this golden calf. At its core, idolatry is always a temptation for power and control. That's what Satan offers Jesus in that moment. His power and control over all the kingdoms of the world. If he'll just worship Satan and bow down. In the ancient world, if you wanted to engage in idolatry, you didn't do it because you thought the gods were great and you loved them. You did it because you thought the gods were going to send a famine or a disease or a natural disaster of some sort, and you were trying to control the circumstances around your life. And if you made a sacrifice, that God would leave you alone. That was really the basis there. And at its core, idolatry is about control and about power. And again, this is a temptation that I think is so prominent for us today, particularly for us as Christians in our country. We don't always notice it, but politics can become idolatry very easily. It's about power. It's about control. It's about grabbing it. And we as Christians can start thinking that we are victims and we have to seize power. And it's our job to control the nations of the world, to control the kingdoms and their splendor. But it's not. That's not what God calls us to. But that temptation is always there. And I suspect that far too many Christians engage in the temptation of idolatry every time they turn on cable news and lose sight of what God has called us to. Now, as I say all of this, I think we can start to get a sense temptations are real. They're weighty. And as we're looking at these specific temptations of Jesus, I don't know about you, but I don't initially feel any clarity about how do we overcome all of this? I feel a little more burdened here. But that's where we have to remember what Matthew is doing with this story and in this gospel. Matthew is taking Moses and Jesus, putting them alongside each other to help us understand something very important. As I said, in that third temptation, Satan takes Jesus, puts him up on a very high mountain. It's important that it's a high mountain. Because a high mountain shows up in two other very important places. Jesus is there on a high mountain looking over at the kingdoms of the world. Before he died, we're told, Moses went up onto a high mountain. And he looked over at the promised land. But he knew he was not going to enter into the promised land. Moses' story ends on a note of failure. Moses had succumbed to his own temptations earlier. Because of that, God said, you're not going to enter into the promised land. So we have all of these stories about Moses, all this pointing to Moses, and then we have Jesus taken up on a high mountain in a scene very similar to one that marks Moses' failures. But then, you jump to the end of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus, again, is on a very high mountain. He's with his disciples. It's after the resurrection. It's after Jesus has gone to the cross, died, and been raised from the dead. And what one scholar says is that there in Matthew chapter 28, what Jesus gains from God the Father in Matthew 28, he earlier in chapter 4, the third temptation, refused to accept from the devil, the tempter. Whereas Moses' story ends on this note of failure of Moses. Jesus' story ends on this note of overcoming, of triumph. Jesus is there on the mountain with his disciples, and he says, All authority and power of the kingdoms of the earth and in heaven has been given to me. What Satan had offered him, he refused. Jesus, by doing so, overcame temptation overcame sin and death, and he stands there triumphant at the end. These kinds of allusions and connections in the Gospels, they're not accidents. I think Matthew is hitting home a very important truth for us. When we talk about overcoming temptation, the temptations I listed that Jesus focused on in the desert, that the te- the Satan tempted him with, when we talk about overcoming those temptations or any other temptations, we have to remember We don't overcome temptation. Jesus already overcame it. That is the first step to understanding how to address temptations in our own lives. If you rely on your power, if you rely on your strong will, if you rely on yourself to overcome temptation and start thinking that is something that you need to do better, you're going to succumb to it. You're going to be focused on the temptation. You're going to become obsessed by the temptation and your own weaknesses. But if you acknowledge your weakness before God, if you acknowledge your inability to overcome anything, let alone temptation on your own power, that is where you start to experience freedom from temptation the more that we're focused on Jesus and Jesus' character, the more we have the power through Jesus, through Jesus' power, not our own, to begin to be free from the temptations of the world. But it's always through Jesus. It's always through his example because we don't overcome temptation. Jesus does. And the other thing too is, for each and every one of us, It takes a community to keep pointing us back to Jesus. To keep reminding each and every one of us of who Jesus is. It takes followers of Jesus in our lives. Helping us to see how Jesus works. How he overcomes temptation. That is the first step towards dealing with temptations. Recognizing we don't overcome it. Jesus already did. And amen to that. So... May we embrace that truth. May we focus on Jesus, and may we throw ourselves at the mercy of Jesus, recognizing our own weakness, our own frailties. and May we embrace our Lord. Please pray with me. Lord, we know that there are so many temptations in this world. We know that we will succumb to them. In those moments, Lord, help us to have grace with ourselves. Help us to have grace with one another. Help us, Lord, to not try to overcome temptation ourselves, but to recognize that there in the desert, you overcame it. And through the cross and the resurrection, you stood on that mountain recognizing that all authority had been given to you. And Lord, it was through your power that temptation was overcome. Help us to accept that. Help us to embrace that. Help us, Lord, to be your people. As we go to take our offering now too, Lord, use this offering so that people can understand who you are, understand what you've done. Help us to be a community through these gifts, Lord, that reflects your power and not our own. Help us to be a community that points people to you in the midst of all the temptations of this world. Helps them to see your character clearly that they might overcome through you. Lord, take this offering and bless it. We thank you, we praise you. It's in your name we pray, amen.